Yo, this is episode 666. This is episode 66 of Invite the Neighbors with a band I joined recently called Pursuer from the Southeast Michigan area. Um, haven't been able to jam with the guys, obviously. Most of you guys are probably dealing with the same stuff. Um, so it's nice to kind of hop in the Discord, chat with the boys, and just talk about music, talk about our band, talk about, you know, got into some pretty interesting debates like who was more influential between pink floyd and nirvana and i think we had some interesting arguments um stick around for that um there's obviously limitations with recording on discord like you can't see anybody because i couldn't get the video to work and so no one really knows when someone else is about to talk so there's little pauses here and there and there's like little you know you're waiting to figure out who's going to talk so you don't want to interrupt anybody and then there's people interrupting each other so it's like you know, forgive me because there's going to be a little bit of that on all these Discord episodes, but I think the actual content is pretty solid. And this is basically you getting to see what we are like as a band. Um, I kind of didn't have to be an interviewer. I kind of took that hat off and just tried to, you know, hang out with my friends and my band. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're working on a record. Hopefully it'll be out sometime before the next global pandemic um, but yeah follow us on uh, all the social medias we're called pursuer again so you can find it on instagram twitter all that good stuff um anyways you know wash your hands stay safe thanks for listening guys and support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash invite the neighbors and donating anything 50 cents 25 cents a month. it's all appreciated thanks guys Hell yeah. Here we are, gents. What's going on? Is it everything you thought it would be? This is it. I like how Vince has the shittiest audio and he's the most important member of the band. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk much. (laughs) Yeah, classic. Uh, I guess maybe I'll do it. This is weird because, like, I've never, I mean, it's not weird, but like, I've, so people, for people listening, this is the band I'm in called Pursuer and um, we're a bunch of nincompoops and um, I don't know how this episode is going to go honestly because I we hang out and we dick around all the time so I'm not really going to go into like interviewer mode really that much unless unless you guys want me to but I feel like it'd be kind of odd I feel like we should just fuck around I agree where's Adrian I'm here Oh, he's here. Adrian, sounds like me and Adrian are sitting in each other's laps. Yeah. We both have good audio. Yeah. I'm not, I'm Which I really can't believe uh, mine's not working. Yeah, that's that's strange. Yeah. It's really ironic that the person is recording all the audio at home right now. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, record. our record's going to sound like Vince's voice sounds right now, too. It's just going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> through through a phone. <laughs> you guys like this? Yeah. It's so, lo-fi. Yeah. Why is why do you guys think lo-fi is such a trendy thing right now? I think everyone can do it. Because of TV, yeah. But do you think that like people when they say they actually like the sound of lo-fi things, do you think they're just lying? Or do you think like there's actually something to that? Because I Something sounding shitty on purpose, I'm not really like a huge fan of in general. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe it's shit that. sounds like. Yeah, go ahead, Vinny. Well, maybe it's because, uh, you know, it's all, there's a lot of different bands that sound that way, I guess. There's more to choose from, you know, smaller yeah. band. I guess lo fi sound could be just a demo from a shitty band. <laughs> but yeah. That's true. Like, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you work with what you have sort of thing? Like, I don't know if you guys listen, remember that band, Young Adult Fiction, that, uh, well, that solo artist, Tanner, who played the Blind Pig show with us. Yeah. Yeah. So like his record is, I guess you could consider it lo-fi, but it's, he kicked its ass. Like he, it was like Boney Vare type shit. Like he recorded the whole thing with a, uh, Sony Walkman handheld tape recorder. But he did all this like weird shit like with editing and like I think he put it through a DAW and everything and that's lo-fi that I can get down with because it's just like yeah when it's more it. experimental and uh, 
you know, when you're putting the right effects on it, it can sound cool for sure. But what really right. counts, what constitutes something as lo-fi is like the real question. Like is yeah, that demo I spent? playing DIY. Is that demo I spent like lo-fi? Would that be lo-fi? No. No? No, kind of. It, it, it kind of would be. Um, like the band Snail Mail, Snail Mail, their first like real like EP is, I would consider that lo-fi, but it's like everything is, you can hear everything and it all sounds nice. But it's See, I, self-recorded and it's like made by, by the. It's, oh, it's, it's nice. weird because like, like, like it's yeah. I, I, like when I think of like lo-fi, I think of like the actual like almost like the bit rate. You know what I mean? Like the audio quality rather than like the you know, like the instrumentation or like the recording method. I just think like you know it's like an MP3 versus like uh, a lossless. Um, audio file that's what i always yeah. thought i meant it's just like yeah just like yeah like, that makes sense but that know. means you're you would never get played on the radio <laughs> yeah i mean right. we'll probably never get played on the radio either unless we go to yeah. like some college radio station mm-hmm. gotta we gotta like stop like recording all our stuff with um nokia cell phone that we found in 2005 <laughs> or start oh yeah we can start that i think yeah that'd be the best option no i think there's bands that are going to be successful that are lo-fi or at least start out lo-fi well i mean didn't yeah, payment power what's that didn't payment power kind of start lo-fi wouldn't their early stuff be considered lo-fi yeah i would agree probably yeah I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Start out as a joke. Well, like I listened to Tame Impala's. Like the first thing I listened to with them was Currents, which is just produced beautifully. And then I listened to Lonerism after it, or like the stuff that was be more considered lo-fi. And I'm like, I just feel like this type of music lends itself way more to just the glossy, like high production value. So like I wasn't super about it. Example, like Sufi and Stevens could do a lo fi album and it would sound really nice because I think like contribute really well to that kind of texture. I mean, if you have a good voice, it doesn't matter if you write good songs and sing it well. I guess the background music isn't, isn't as important, yeah. I think too, like you have to. You can't really force it. You can't be like, I want to be lo-fi, but then write songs and have like arrangements that don't sound good in that sort of form. Yeah. Yeah. You got to like figure out what sounds good for what you're trying to do. And rather than like say, I want to be this aesthetic. I feel like people do that all the time, even with genres. Like we need to be emo or we need to be like twinkly Midwestern emo, like more specifically. And then instead of like writing what would naturally come to them, they're trying to like fit themselves into this box because it's, perceptibly like what is popular you know that's just so that's a, such a major pet peeve of mine yeah i think that's that's exactly what like vince and, and dave and i tried to do in high school with our, with our band cadence is like we specifically wanted to be like post hardcore and like scary kids scaring kids and like chiodas and stuff and if we i feel like if we would have wrote a song of, of like the guitar players would came to us and wrote a song that wasn't of that genre we would have been like, oh, we can't do that because we're, we're like, we want to sound like this and we're tied to this specific kind of. Yeah, yeah or like going, going to play sense. like hardcore shows and feeling like we have to play hardcore songs for those shows. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so like, so we, we played a show at the Token Lounge one time in Westland. Um, and we were like, we were the least hardcore band there. And I think everyone in the band, like, we're like, oh, we got to step it up and sound more. Like we gotta, we gotta get harder. Don't press these guys, cause definitely gotta get harder. Gotta get <laughs> hard. We just gotta get harder. Everyone this podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. First time <laughs> users. Of- <laughs> hey, so, so here's a question: Do you guys think, do you guys think the Beatles would be the most lo-fi, the the original that's what I was o- OG lo-fi band? But that's that's the other part of it too. Is like, I feel like a lot of people who like lo-fi. I don't know. I I don't. Not, this is like. I mean, in a sense, yes. 
I mean, the, like, the, Beatles. the sound of like 60s and 70s quality. Even though at like, the time Beach they were Boys. Like, type recording. Yeah, like that's lo-fi um, inherently. And I feel like if you like lo-fi, you would like like you would just vibe with that shit. I mean, how how I characterize lo-fi is essentially the recording quality. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's always comes through the recording quality. So like, you could put Pink Floyd, early Pink Floyd would be like lo-fi, but the band is unbelievable, so it doesn't make them a bad band per se. Right. I but think like. That, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Like, when does that differ than just like a shitty recording, though? Like, yeah. Like, like is like is Nirvana's um, Bleach album is that is that lo-fi or is that just a bad recording? Like, is that just a less re- less sonically good recording than? Never mind. See, I feel like people use that yeah. as an excuse sometimes for things like, "Oh, it's lo-fi." I'm like, well. It would sound better if it wasn't, you know. <laughs> well, then, yeah, I guess that's true. Like that, like yeah, it's like it's like uh, uh, uppercase lo-fi versus lowercase lo-fi. Ooh. Think about this though: if the Beatles popped up today and they wrote the same song and they recorded them lo-fi, they probably wouldn't be that popular. But if they're like went and recorded at the biggest studio they'd probably still be one of the biggest fans around, you know? Yeah. I was like their songs are that catchy. Yeah. Do you think the Beatles would be the Beatles today if they came out today? No. They wouldn't be the Beatles today. No. They would still be super popular, I'd say. But I mean, if someone, they obviously the Beatles are the Beatles, but if a band made that exact music today, it hadn't existed before, you know, it would still be popular. Yeah, I was having uh, this discussion about the uh, Beach Boys, um, because the Pet Sounds album, because it it was recorded in mono, you know, and even the stereo remasters of it, like it still <laughs> sounds pretty like lo-fi. But I was just saying, like, what makes it great isn't really the rec- it, it transcends like the recording medium. You know what I mean? Like the songs are so good and the arrangements are so intricate that like didn't really matter how it was recorded. But if you were to take that and translate it to today and making the most out of the technology that exists today, it would sound, I think even better. And I think it oh, yeah. would be popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, also though, like a schizophrenic. The things though, the way they used to experiment though, would they experiment the same way today or would they almost experiment too much? You know, they, cause they yeah. got like such unique sounds out of that time period. Like through analog, yeah, uh, true. And all that, like yeah, like dumping eight tracks onto one track and then, yeah, yeah. or running a tra- track in reverse, and flange. Yeah. That's I mean, the Beatles started flanging with tape. See that yeah, shit intimidates me. That probably if it was just like one of the options that you that you click on in in, in Logic or something. Yeah, right. there's too many options. <laughs> I mean that. If you can go through the whole library and figure out what you like, then you can kind of make your own platform, I guess. Well, that yeah. So I feel like if, if the Beatles came out nowadays, they would just be another one of the bands that you have on your iPod, iPod, on your iPhone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, like it would yeah. just be like, like what, or another band that that you find on YouTube that you just like add to your playlist that you did to. Yeah, yeah, like it's fine. Like, not really your favorite band. <laughs> It's funny too, like, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I also think that, I mean, this is not entirely related, but it is Beatles related. I think it's really funny when people are just adamant, like, the Beatles suck. Like, they cannot, like, they have no like, conception of, like, uh, context whatsoever, you know? They just com- compare it to, like, their favorite shit of the modern era. It's like, okay, I don't have time for this conversation, you know? You're it's hard to compare dumber. the Beatles to like Megadeth. Like they're, they're not even <laughs> <laughs> kind of a different time zone. Yeah, they're yeah. not the same. I don't know that that's ever been done. Truthfully, I I went to uh, we went to the mall one time, with <laughs> friends, and and this guy walked up to us and was trying to sell his friend's uh, rap album, and he was making this comparison of like who the guy sounds like. And it was the, the comparisons were so dichotomous. It was like it was like, like if you like Alanis Morissette and like uh, the baby, 
you would love this guy. I was like, what? Huh. Like, no, probably not. Yeah. It's like, well, you I'm can just, find him on, on YouTube. I'm just glad that the Beatles and Megadeth got mentioned at the same time. <laughs> Didn't Megadeth you know, do the Beatles cover? No, I'm pretty kidding. sure. No, fuck that. <laughs> so, I'm curious, like, um, God, what was I? I had a good question. Oh, going back to like what we said about like old bands, and you thought like if you're playing like a metal show or playing with harder bands, that you had to bring like your harder songs. So like when I joined this band, like we were talking about, you know, which songs did we want to play because we had like a set amount of time before the show to like get me to learn everything, and then also considering that the headliner was Mother Folk, you know, we thought maybe we should play like some of the quieter or you know more chill stuff. And that was before we had actually played together. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that like once we started to like mesh and see like what the added guitar parts turned the songs into, for me, it felt like it didn't matter as much which songs we played. It was more about just like playing the best ones. And I think like yeah. that's kind of the way to do it in general, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think the way you feel for sure. Yeah. But yeah, and that's the thing is like we had these songs written out that were completely separate than the Mother Folk show and, and um we had like this whole like kind of platter to choose from these songs or we had like this platter of songs to choose from pretty much. Um and we could choose our best songs, which is different than, than what we were doing as teenagers, which is like we have these songs, but these songs don't match their show that we're playing, so we're gonna like change these songs on the fly just to match the vibe of the show. Um, right, I feel like it's a lot different yeah, like than screaming, screaming more and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, like it, it, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, you know, what I was thinking about too is like I don't know. I think we're all guilty of that. Like at least when we first started planning that set list, I think I had a mindset where I was like, "All right, should we play? Should we try to cater to the sound of the venue in hopes of gaining new fans?" And I think like it, it sounds like a good idea to begin with, but you start to stray away from, it's not like we have this crazy discography where we're like, can pick from 40 songs and pick a bunch of slow songs. I don't know. I feel like we should, we should just always play what, what is going to make us the happiest. And I mean, yeah. And and at some point, you know, and if, if that resonates with people, then that's the ultimate goal, at least for, from my perspective, it's like, all right, we're going to go out there and play what we like to play. And if people like that, that's like the ultimate prize. Yeah. I think too, like, the, like from just my perspective it, it seemed like once we started clicking and gelling I think there was like a confidence in what we were doing whereas like when I hadn't played with you guys yet we weren't really sure what it was going to sound like but For you sure. know not to like yeah. toot our horns too much but like I thought like we all realized that we're like okay this is fucking sweet you know like it, I think yeah. it mattered it mattered much less about how we compare to the other bands because we started to feel like we would be a tough act to follow sort of thing you know yeah i feel like in the beginning it was more how are we gonna fit into a slot for this mother folk show whereas at the end it was all right we're gonna put on like, like a kick-ass show regardless of the bands that are surrounding us it's like gonna we're gonna stand and it's own funny own. too the way we would i mean we had a couple sessions with you brian and we would just kind of play songs randomly and like songs I thought were for sure songs we should play just we weren't vibing you know and then yeah like I'm not as into we ended up feeling way more and that was pretty sweet too you gotta stop playing Megadeth songs during practice (laughs) so we can't (laughs) you know I think I think the big thing with this band is like we all write our own like parts but the thing is too is I think it resonates like especially with someone like Vince who you know, writes the guitar and like writes the words and like, so one song to him where he's like, wow, I really like that song. And then every, if everyone else is like, eh, we should play a different song. You know, and it's not like, I think it's good to keep each other in check like that. And we usually do that. I mean, it's. Yeah. 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 You can't get hung up on anything. That's what I've learned for sure. I mean, we've had songs we probably will never record, you know, but yeah, that kind of sucks. So. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me to see like the way you write because me coming from my own band where you know I'm the Vince in my own band and 
how different I am. Like you, Vince will like crank out. I feel like five songs every you know twenty four hours, or like <laughs> <laughs> like so many nah. ideas. But you know what I mean. Like you, you yeah. always coming up with stuff. Whereas me, I'm just like I have, I have zero B sides. You know what I mean. Like I just have the songs that that's I have, and I just good make though. Them the I song. mean, that's like putting the time into the song and finishing the idea. You know. Instead of yeah. me putting out a bunch of unfinished ideas. Well, like it, if, if you were arranging a symphony, you'd probably put, I don't know how long Beethoven put into a symphony, but I'm sure it was weeks or something, you know? And it's yeah. just crazy to think one song took that long. 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you never know. 30 minutes. But, That's a lot of writing, though. But well, I think to it. Oh, go ahead, Dave. No, I was I was just gonna say too. Like a side note was, like this this band's always this band has progressed. I mean, Adrian, Vince, and I have known each other since high school. And back when we were in high school, we all kind of stuck. Well, Adrian played two instruments. Oh, never mind. I guess everyone played multiple instruments. But now, like it's it's we've gotten to a point in our maturity where I feel like we could be at band practice and pick up any instrument and be like, all right, well maybe you should add this or you should add that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like we've gotten to a point where we listen to so much different music now that that type of creativity between all of us is is crucial for a band. Yeah, I think like there's enough mutual influence too. Like you know, if we ever were to do a cover of something, like there's we all have like a Radiohead song that we'd like to do. You know what I mean? Like there's enough of the unifying influence to where like we can understand what each other is trying to do in a way. Um, sorry, uh, yeah, that's also like, um, like comparing other people that I've joined with to, to Vincent Dave. Um, it's really easy. It's really easy to like have an idea in my head and not even like express that verbally in any way. Just be like, all right, it just sound like this. And like Dave can pick up on that and like add that to the song in a way that's actually like what I was thinking. Like it's very like intuitive and and really easy. Which I like. Yeah, and you guys take ideas really, really well too. Like it was cool for me being like an outsider for sure. Like coming in and being able to be like make changes to songs. Like I've straight up changed certain things, you know. And you guys are always been like, oh yeah, let's try it. Like, and I feel like that's so necessary in in a band where collaborate collaboration is like stressed that you know you have to like vince said you can't get too hung up on anything and like i think that's kind of what makes pursuer especially when when you know there aren't that many opinions out there you know on our songs i guess so we do have to take your opinion into factor for sure true True, and that go into the song probably the more input that's there the better for the outcome well yeah too and like also when you're adding an entire new part new dimension to like every song there's naturally going to be times where like i'm playing something where now it would be better if the structure changed slightly so that like a part could go longer or like there could be like a pause you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah and but um I was gonna ask you, Vince, when you write these songs, like do you do the lyrics at the same time? Like when you're coming up with these demos, or do you like do those after the fact? It's yeah, it's all different. Uh, the demo I sent yesterday I have no lyrics for yet. I'm just gonna like mold them to the structure I have right now, basically. And that's what I did with that last one too, that I sent a few words. Um I wrote the lyrics after. Gotcha. But usually, like, I mean, it, it comes and it's been di- different, though. I mean, I've written songs while I'm writing the guitar. I'll and a, a melody will pop in my head, you know, and I'll yeah start writing words then. I I don't yeah, know about you, but sure different for everyone. Yeah, because vocals. I mean, lyrics. I I don't mind writing the lyrics, but it's so hard for me to settle on like vocal melodies to actually record. Yeah. It I it's such a daunting. Thing. I'm never satisfied with it. That's the one thing that, like, well, I'll always find something to criticize in my own music is like some vocal melody, even if it's just like one note. Like, oh, I should have, you know, 
done the, a different one, and then every time I hear it, I just it just sticks out. I think that's just because of a crazy person, but <laughs> no, I, I've been there too. But but you guys at least have put albums out. You know what I mean? Like one you you've had a band. I haven't really had a band that's been consistent, but you know you've at least not been so much of a perfectionist that you just never get anything actually done. That's kind of been my problem where it's like perfectionism to a fault to where like, it's almost like an ego defense mechanism. Like I'm procrastinating being done because I'm just not, no, I'm never going to be truly satisfied with it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's how I feel about the album. (laughs) I think, I feel like this album is probably going to take a long time, but I'm cool with it. Yeah, it, it's it's a long, but it's good. a long. <laughs> I think it's a long time that that's different than um, second guessing. Um, it's a long time that's taking into account like there's four people in the band now, and we're all gonna uh, to find our own our own part of the song that that's really good and really that we're satisfied with. Um, which is different than like like oh, I have this song and I'm gonna sit in my car and just like listen to it over and over again and i'm gonna wish that i re- like i release it this way and never i'm gonna never like play it again and never release it again or anything because i was just like offended at myself for recording it that way to begin with almost right yeah, that's how i feel about the last dp yeah you were telling me i think this might even be on an old podcast episode but i'm pretty sure you like like you like scrambled to mix and like master everything like the night before that release show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Which, wild man. <laughs> I mean, I, it's not, it probably would. I don't know how much better I can make it sound. Anyways, the next one will be a lot better. So I do you think, think the, it, it matters about technique too? You know, not just mixing and micing things properly. Yeah. I think in in a cool way though that did end up being a lo-fi record because, yeah. because of, the, of the time constraint. Like we had, we literally did it in like like a weekend almost. I remember like like Dave did the drums, and then that night I like went over to your house, or, or the next night I went over to your house and did the bass, and and then you did it like the night before, just like up like playing guitar and or recording guitar and your vocals, and then we had the show the next day. Yeah. Um, so wild. like there wasn't there wasn't any time to like like do any kind of setup or mastering. So it was like, all right, this is how we have it. This is how we're gonna yeah. record it. And like we wanted to have something out for people to ha- like. The whole point was to have like a new release for that co- that aligned with the show, um, right? As like some other like oh like yeah, by the way we have a good new album out, um, and I I think like. Like sonically, it ended up being a really like a really cool sound. It ended up being really kind of lo-fi and really garage sounding. Um, but I think it had had we had more time, it would have sounded a lot a lot different and a lot more, you know, hi-fi and um, used. Were there ever second guitar parts that you had in mind, or were there ever second guitar parts recorded, or did you just try to make the most out of just one guitar? Uh, it was mostly just layering guitars. So yeah, not really any second guitar. Although there's one song on that Brazil EP that we did put out and I had second guitar on it initially, but we ended up not having it on the album. I gotcha. And then, so for this, this record that like we're going to be making, do you feel like, I feel like I asked you guys this, but I wasn't sure. I can't remember what we said. Like, as far as song selection, if now that like I've added parts to it and songs have kind of changed a little bit and they've taken on new life, do you, how do you feel about just picking the best songs regardless of them being on previous releases and just making that? Or do you want to have all new stuff or like a mix? I'm cool with going back in the catalog for sure. I mean, Although there's not much there, I don't think. I think Brazil, I want to redo because it sounds yeah. so much better with your second guitar now. Dave, what's up? Dave, are we redoing Brazil? I mean, yeah, we could. I think re, I think Brazil would be cool to redo. And the problem is, is 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 like Brian said, is um, Vince writes so many damn songs that sometimes <laughs> it's hard to pick 
<laughs> it's hard to pick, you know, 10 songs out of, I don't know how many we've written and at least played together. 30. Yeah, I think it's close to 30 now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to, and there's ones that Vince wrote like in college that I am always like, we got to play it. We got to play that. But then yeah. Vince, you know, for Vince, he's like, I've been playing that since I was 19 or 18. I don't want to play right. it anymore. Or, but it's that song has changed. That's one thing that's really cool about this band too is like the songs are continuously changing. At least live. Yeah. That's why I don't want to rush to record anymore. You know. Yeah. And it's always good to just play a couple shows with a song before recording it, so you can feel what parts may be dull or what parts really need to be accentuated. Yeah, I think for me too, like my parts are going to really solidify. Like I'm I'm pretty happy with the parts that like I played at the last show. You know, like I felt like that went really well overall, but I think especially the like vocal stuff that I do is going to the first time it's really going to take life is when we record it. And then like from there I'll practice doing it live. And like, cause usually that's how I write my own music too, is like, I'll have the, the bass guitar part and like the vocals and everything. And then everything else is like, I'll kind of write in the studio around what's already there. And then that's kind of what solidifies second guitar parts is, you know, is the actual recording process. So I think the songs as they are now might even change more when we go to actually record them. And I'm more of a stickler about like perfecting the stuff that I do, you know? True. Yeah, I'm thinking more and more about, uh, I don't know, we might want to do some recording in a studio. I think drums. Yeah. At least. Like, yeah, drums and vocals, I think. Or, you know, main vocals. And you can do effect vocals at home, but, like, to get a really solid, like, main vocal sound and drums, I think, is kind of important. True. Yeah. But those are the things that are that are worth paying for. Is I think drums are the most important, like, thing to, like, get right. Yeah. Kind of sound is like if you have a shitty drums. At least for me, those like like the shitty drums are the ones that that's that um are like the most prominent when they're when they're bad. Like if it's if, like um I see I'm out of breath because my, my mic just got messed up. <laughs> <laughs> you got choked by your mic? I got choked by my mic. Um but like, put it, on like, a George Foreman grill. <laughs> <laughs> Like like if if a guitar is bad, you can kind of draw it out in in other instruments. But, um, the drums being at the level they are in any mix, it's like if they're bad, those are the, that's like the part of the song that I notice the most prominently. If they're, oh yeah, fault hundred percent. Like all my old like the old in a daydream recordings I did like when I was in college with my uh buddy Brad, the songs are sweet and like the recordings would be way better, but we didn't know how to record drums and we only had like four microphones going into a two channel mixer. So like we have mono drum sounds and then I tried, you know, panning everything, like mixing everything else in stereo, but there's nothing I can really do with the drums. And so like they're all on one track. I couldn't like separately EQ the snare and the cymbals. Like that was just the worst example of drums. You know what I mean? Like trying to find one EQ that works for everything. It just, something's going to suffer. E- EQing is just the worst. It's, yeah. it's like so stressful <laughs> to me. That's why, dude. Like, I just pawn it all off. I just pay the money, pawn it off on somebody else to do that shit. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. putting so much time into writing the song. So why are you going to put double the time into recording them and doing it all on your own for a worse product? You know, right? There's there's been songs too that like that I've written and I tried to record on my own that don't live up to the uh, expectation that I have in my head too. And it's like, oh, like that song just doesn't even sound as good as, as what I would expect that song to sound like. Um It definitely happens. Yeah, so like yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean it's happened when we've put the song out. <laughs> it's like I, I wish I wish I would have had that. Again, it's like again, like even like having um as much input as possible when writing a song too, like if I would have had more, more input and more like, um, outside feedback on, on these songs, I think they would have, they would have just been better inherently. And like someone would have said, Oh, like the drums need to be louder. They need to sound more, more verbose or the bass needs to, needs to be up a level or, or some kind of other. Yeah. I think this is something I struggled with 
um, you know, doing old recordings, there was just like this ego driven desire to do everything myself and to like have this thing be done and have it be awesome and have it be able to say that I did the whole thing. You know what I mean? When in, in reality, like I'm just not that person. Like I'm not good at every aspect of recording, you know, like, and I, I find that like staying in my lane and just focusing on the production and the arrangements and pawning the other stuff kind of off on people who know what they're doing more. It makes you look like a better musician because the finished product is going to be better, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And yeah, if you can get over the, like your ego, that is, letting go of of it all being yourself you have a better product at the end too that you can be proud of yeah i think there's like something too also to like the way you can market if you work with a producer you know and they are into the project when it's done they're going to want to promote it too because they're going to want their name on something that they kind of believe in so instead of you just promoting it yourself Oftentimes, a producer might have more of a reach than even you if you're like a beginning band. So it's kind of smart to work with a producer because you know you're going to get a little bit of play or recognition that you would not have gotten otherwise. Yeah, I mean, even like bands coming in to record after you, you know, you might tell that band about your band. It's just not just like social media, but word of mouth too. Right. And it's I, just I think like, that's that's really the way that bands actually spread to is is word of mouth and actually like organically people going to shows and and bringing their friends to shows that and like seeing bands consistently like I saw a band in in November and I'm going to see them again in in January because I like them in November. Um, that that just brings more of a fan base than like trying to gain likes on Herb Nation and shit. Yeah. Um, it's like it sucks because you still got to kind of play the game of social media. Like you still have to be there, you know. Because yeah, yeah, I think I think the days of like being Radiohead. I mean, you you have to get so huge to where you don't have to play that game anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah, kind of like Minecraft. Yeah, I don't know what the I like <laughs> Minecraft, but I don't know like what their story is with that. Yeah, I don't feel like they have much of a social media reach. But exceptions to the rule, I suppose. Call things, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing is, is I I love Pine Grove, and I um, you know, I heard of them through Audio Tree, so that was the first time I ever heard of them. So I didn't hear about them from anybody else. It was like I was stumbling on some website, and then boom, then you're hit with it. So it's yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, but and what's you guys? Uh, what do you, what do you guys feel about Marigold versus uh, Skylight? I like what both of them. I haven't. I, I honestly haven't heard Marigold at all yet. <clears throat> Pretty good. I've been too busy listening to Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> but they're I like, different. So I'm more of a fan of Skylight, but I like Marigold a lot. Yeah, I thought Marigold was like maybe a little folkier. Which, you know, I think it felt pretty cohesive listening to it front to back. It was, I was, you know, I was entertained listening throughout it. I liked um, the one with, um, you know, that song that everybody fucking knows by Pine Grove on it. I can't remember the name of the Cardinal. Is that maybe the name of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That album I really, really, really liked. Yeah. And that's lo fi. I would call that lo fi. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 That is. Yeah. That is lo fi. Well, even Skylight, I would consider Skylight lo-fi. Like, I felt like they recorded... Uh, there's parts where I feel like, at least the drums, like, I felt like they recorded the drums with the mic that was, like, 10 feet away from everything. Yeah, you probably pick up on that more than I do. But the other stuff, I thought, sounded pretty good. I think, yeah, I think that, like, uh, the vocals, too, are really lo-fi. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I was going to say. Go ahead, Adrian. <laughs> No, I literally, I was literally just going to say like the vocals make it sound more lo-fi than it is, and then I have nothing else to add. <laughs> I think my, uh, I think my, I think I need to get new shoes, but that's all I really wanted to say. So I'll go ahead. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, say, uh, I think whatever the, whatever album Old Friends is on, 
um i think that's like a live recording i think that's all like them in the studio together uh yeah it's a lot to that to that kind of lo-fi sound and that like that like ambient kind of sound that's different than um which sounds more layered i guess more more produced and dynamic what would you guys like for people who are listening to this, the thousands and thousands and thousands across the world who are listening to this and <laughs> um, and have never heard us play, what would you guys think, like, with me added to the band, like, what would you guys compare us to? Or does anything come, or has anybody, like, after a show, after the show we played, did anyone come up to you and compare us to another band? Or, like, what do you guys think that we kind of sound like? Um... With with that Brazili P, uh, it, I mean, I think all of us we all add, we all kind of draw from like Radiohead and Nirvana as like just a base. That's where our sound derives from. Um, and I, I think with that Brazili P, that's like the most, the most um, on like in tune with like a Nirvana kind of sound, like a mugga grudgy kind of sound. Yeah, but um, I feel I feel like we don't sound anything like Nirvana. Right, and I was gonna say, but it's it's shifting now, and it, it's it's kind of it's always like, like we we kind of dip in and out of 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 like like funky kind of stuff and and like harder kind of stuff. Um, it, it's really dynamic in that sense, and it's kind of hard to hard, hard to like pin down one kind of one genre that. Well, the that one idea. band that I the one band that I've got the most is people are always like, you guys kind of sound like brand new. It's a, it seems to be that was like the, always the big one. Which is flattering, I'm sure, not only to me, but Vince especially, being one of his favorite bands. But it's funny because, like, we I mean, all flattering, like, but yeah. it's also like I don't want to be over influenced, you know? Yeah, but we did oh, get but, a radio. Like, I feel like it's hard. Last show. What's that? Cool. We got a Radiohead comparison last show. Yeah, see, and I feel like we sound nothing like Radiohead. No, I honestly, it's it's, <laughs> it's in the influence. I think though, it's like it's 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 not something that that you. I think you consciously do, but it's like you're always listening to them in, in your background, and you always have them kind of like a like a quick access drawer in your mind, kind of. Um, so the influences are are there without you really noticing that you're putting them down. They they just kind of appear in the songs. Yeah, and, I think like the songs were, you know, kind of just you know to be able to speak to what I think I'm adding at least the songs I definitely got like that Nirvana sort of vibe. Like I was shocked that Vince hadn't listened to citizen because very, I get a huge citizen vibe too. Um, oh, was that you who said that we sounded like citizen? Yeah. I was going to say, cause cause someone I was going to say, cause Vince got one time that we sounded like citizen, which is also cool. Oh, it was also, uh, I heard it from Andrew. Babe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. True. Yeah. Well, we get basement yeah. too. Someone said basement too, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't see that as much though, to be honest. Maybe like maybe without the the second guitar, when like when there's like have like say say not so easy where there's just like that heavy chorus with just power chords and you know heavy singing, like that would sound like basement. But I think the way we sound now, it basement doesn't really have like that ambient element see, to it that I'm aware see, of. I could see. Um, sorry interrupting but i could see like title fight being a good comparison with us um yeah, yeah I could see that. they have yeah um they have like two vocalists and it's like a one's like a really kind of like ethereal kind of sounding guy and it was almost just screaming and i think it's a good it's a good and goes in and out of, of that contrast as well and with them with like just like the textures of our guitars too it's just, just like really cohesive with that sound yeah i think that um what was i gonna say well title fight but maybe a little bit like a darker sort of title fight and i think with a little bit of i think the thing the band that influences i think the parts that i play the most are is circus survive yeah, i really I try to that. yeah and that's i think where some of the radiohead stuff might come from too like or or like the songs like reaching or um if I should, where it's very like rhythm oriented, it's kind of like a mono rhythm, like all the way through sort of song that just kind of builds layers. And like the, the main thing that's changing is like what 
the lead guitar is doing to sort of like create different feels. I think that's a very Radiohead type type thing to do. Um, it's almost like it's um, it's like movement based as opposed to like riff based or something. Yeah, yeah. But then you know we'll have a song like for like a thing where it's just like funky ass, like almost jazzy sometimes guitar solo almost the whole time and and it somehow fits like it never felt out of place i don't think any of the songs ever felt like out of place four like a cool. thing four like a thing to me is what i call like the old people rock like that that like <laughs> i feel like i feel like anytime you play that song and there's anyone that's over the age of 50 they're gonna like really like that song <laughs> this reminds my, you of 1984. well we played vince we played we played that song at otis supply right we played four legged thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, did we? Yeah. Or did we, we did. at? Uh, I think that was down. I know. I think, I think we played with with uh, four legged thing at Otis Supply. Well, because we played one more song, we had time to play one more, and yeah. that was the one we always pulled out of the bag. Out the bag now. Um, but yeah, that's what my dad was like. I really liked that last song, and my dad's like <laughs> a huge like. My dad pretty much carved my musical liking as a kid, so. That's, I guess, an ultimate compliment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, just to kind of like reminisce, uh, it was fucking dope. It, it was like when we finished our set at Loving Touch and people were like demanding another song, like we literally don't know anymore together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play Seven Nation. And we're, and we're the opening band, so we should probably get off yeah. the stage. Nobody came <laughs> for us in that sense, but we're flattered. But that, yeah, that, I mean, that was one of the best feelings I've ever had playing music, to be honest. Like, by, by far, like, I've loved that venue. I've always wanted to play there. And, like, midway yeah. through the first song, I was just like, holy shit, I'm not even nervous. This is awesome. I forget yeah, what, what podcast you were, you were, or what band you had on. I think, I think it was Sincerely. Um, but you were talking about, like, venues that you've played. And, like, yeah, any place that, like, um, Mike's the drum set just sounds so much better than any place that doesn't. And it makes you like so much more into your songs because you can hear shit so much better and everything is so much more pronounced. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. my god, like, oh wow, our songs actually have like dynamics to them. Um and the loving touch is like one of those places that are like, wow, this is this is a really good boom boom place. Yeah, it really sucks not being able to play shows we were like the cutoff yeah. that show we were about to play at uh new way bar was like had it been like a week earlier we would have been fine i think yeah yeah new way bar yeah, happened a couple days before that. out it's so they small. mic the drums there they mic like the bass drum and the snare at corktown tavern didn't or didn't mic the drums i think no that was that was well, the definitely we, our we shittiest show. everything yeah we didn't have a sound guy at Corktown though. Crazy. And I guess ICP. Huh. Didn't Asian didn't zero, he tell us I like ICP, ICP was there the, the night, night before? before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we Dope. just cleaned up all the Yeah. <laughs> he drowned. Hey, I gotta. Uh, I gotta go piss real fast so you guys can just talk shit. But I'll be all back right. in a few. Talk shit about Brian. Dude, it's fucking thunderstorming like a motherfucker here. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's here too. Uh, I have like giant ass windows in this room that it's like it's kind of zoning out and watching the uh, the lightning bolts. The power's gonna go well. out, and that's power. what I'm worried about too. Is that at any moment we're gonna lose the power? That will be a bad yeast. Oh. <laughs> power man knows me. Dude, we should. It's anybody like listen to any? I don't know. I've all I've been listening to lately is Radiohead. Yeah, like, have you honestly, been watching I, uh, full shows? Yeah, but I've I honestly I've listened to every single album in the last two weeks <laughs> that they have. I'm just loving them live right now. It what is that? So much what is that library that you keep referencing? Oh, dude, you got to go to Radiohead it. Public Library. I think it's just like Radiohead.com. They, is it like a, they uh, they updated it, they uploaded everything? Yeah, you can so watch you can every live. their music, watch yeah. videos, wow. watch yeah. concerts. It's sweet how they laid it out. Dude, the King of Limbs. Yeah, library from... card. What? Do I have a library card? <laughs> you can get one oh. for the Radiohead <laughs> Public Library. 
<laughs> They'll print oh. you. You can print a library card. Tomorrow, <laughs> you need to go to the library and get a library card because if you have a library card right now, you can get access to a bunch of ebooks and audiobooks, and you can probably spend time in locked. Dude, Vince, I'm starting oh, to really like King, King of Limbs is probably like gaining steam for yeah. me. King of Limbs is such a sick album. I feel like you said that two years ago, though. I don't know. I, well, there's just I so feel much like you keep going. That's Radiohead, though. You just go in cycles. Well, In Rainbows like is it. probably always going to be number one for me. Yeah. I just hard, I can't. Hard to disagree. I don't know. Moonshade Pool is kind of up there for me now. Yeah, it's a timing thing, too. Like, you got to figure when that album came out, you were like in a transitional period, too, right? You, yeah. Like, it was. Yeah, so like that's it holds on to. Yeah, it has more like meaning at that point. But but still, like listening to them now, it's just like has nothing to do with like how I felt then, you know. Yeah, once I listen, that's what I I learned how to play. Uh, what do you call it? Daydreaming on the piano. It's like super easy. But really, yeah, yeah, it's it's easy. Even well, it gets complicated in the middle when it has like that expands out and hits a bunch of notes and crap, but. Yeah, when it really starts arpeggiating or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. They're just they're they're the greatest band ever, dude. They are. Humble memory. Last week, I'm like, Radiohead is officially my favorite band. I can finally admit it. There's always been a conflict between between you guys uh, over if Radiohead or, or if uh, Pink Floyd is more influential, if Nirvana is more influential. Oh, Pink Floyd. I'd have to say it's just Nirvana in every sense. I think that's an interesting debate. Because, like, Pink Floyd, man. I think, like, Nirvana probably. Pink Floyd wasn't really needed. Mm, I think that's what I'm saying. Like, there's different implications, like, influential different ways. Like, culturally, Nirvana would take the cake. But I think, like, pushing the envelope musically. Pink Floyd, hands down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost sure. like they're they're not even. I don't I don't know if Brian's ever heard me say this, but I know both Vince and Adrian have. I don't know if Nirvana would have been that big of a deal if Kurt Cobain didn't die. Well, they were before he died. That's, yeah, yeah that's but true. but yeah, but but would they have got like? They were a big deal, but they would they that, still be a big deal now? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Would know. they be like Pearl Jam sort of thing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but Pearl Jam still. I mean, Pearl Jam kicks ass. I mean, that's, right, but they're that's, not. That's, yeah. Yeah, Nirvana, Nirvana became, not, became infamous. I think when when Kurt Cobain killed. Oh, well, potentially. Being well, you know, like like a like a big. Well, uh, so it, like when he got murdered, yeah. <laughs> For the people listening, this is often in our when band group chat. We things. often talk about the reopening the case in the, in the group text. I just want people to know can, that. I think, we can, I think we can solve it. Find the our minds together and work together. I think if we just go to Seattle, we can crack this thing. And more importantly, yeah, Dave, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you were supposed to be working on that while you were out there in Seattle, dude. And I was just fighting not getting Corona while I was there. I thought uh, you were going to go Dennis. I thought you were going to dentist system uh, Kurt Cobain's daughter so she could reopen that case. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was going to say, like, Nirvana... Well, Nirvana, like... It was, I, so this is the same thing with Pink Floyd. Um, and you, you judge a band being infamous, infamous if they have shirts at, like, JCPenney and Coles and shit. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> good point. That's true. Like uh, like Pearl Jam, They're more of a brand than a band at a point. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and and I think why they have that staying power is because there's that legacy of Kurt Cobain killing himself and that like that bar or that that myst- like mystique to it. Yeah, he, he became like, like a what martyr. could have been. Yeah, and he he became like 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 a like a face to a movement similar to like how how Bob Marley is a face to like a like a movement with. Here's a question. What if what if Nirvana would have evolved? Would they? I mean, yeah. like like Radiohead evolved. You know, like Radiohead wasn't huge back then, but they've only gotten more popular. Like what? if Nirvana evolved, they may they only made three albums. You know, 
There's plenty of bands that have had a career of eight albums of seeming success, you know? I'm wondering, like, if kind of, you know, to branch off that evolution sort of thing, like, had Kurt Cobain not died, how long would Dave Grohl had stayed in that position when he clearly he's a born front man? Like, would we still have the Foo Fighters at some point? Like, would Dave Grohl had uh, eventually left Nirvana to like be the front man in his own thing? That's what kind of I wonder that too sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. That's, in, that's an interesting time. I, yeah, I feel like the Foo Fighters definitely wouldn't be nearly what they are. You know, like Dave Grohl wouldn't have had as much time and just they almost had a void to fill. Yeah, or like the had the, like the drive to, or like, yeah, like that drive to to fill that void of like, I need to. But I think like back to the original question, like musically though, music influential, like Nirvana, they definitely like, you know, spearheaded the grunge movement, but to musicians, I don't think musicians would ever from a musical standpoint, really look at Nirvana and see them as groundbreaking as Pink Floyd, you know, from anything from like production to just, Complexity. Yeah, soundscapes, things yeah, like that. Dave. It's just a different genre. Yeah. So I, I, I think yeah, Dave, like do you do you approach Pink Floyd being the greatest band from like a musical perspective or like from a cultural perspective? I don't know. They're a good band. I mean they're re- it, it's so hard to like that's that's a million dollar question. Well when we were talking well, then it, on the break. I mean, oh, is Pink Floyd more influential than the Beatles then? No, I wouldn't say so. Because the Beatles are way more simpler. <clears throat> yeah, but I'm just saying it's, music. It's about cultural influence. Yeah, too. it's cultural too. But musically, like, okay, the first song I learned how to play on drums was like "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I wasn't like banging out something by Pink Floyd. You know, I mean, even a guitar. Like most people are learning, you know, just bar chords. They're jamming Nirvana. They're not learning how to play, you know, David Gilmore solos from. Pink Floyd. I mean, you finally get to that point if you're if you're good enough. But I think from a musical standpoint, cultural, yeah. If we split it culturally and musically, it's it's definitely you can you can make the argument there. But musically, Pink Floyd, hands down. If I think musically, Pink Floyd had more had more of like a um or they 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 what's the what's the what's the word they explored more. Oh yeah, uh, they laid more. Kind of broke up more ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they touched upon things that were previously unexplored. Whereas Nirvana just did things really well and had a really good voice to had a really good message the entire time that they were trying. They kind to, of meddled everything together. Yeah, that had come before them, I guess. And also, like from the, at first glance, Nirvana kind of they can seem kind of one dimensional, but they're like the perfect example in my opinion of doing one thing extremely well and like every everything like from the lyrics to the songwriting to just the delivery the production they have their thing and they were the best at that thing you know yeah like i don't know that anybody is i mean i think the i don't know in terms of like grunge like bands that have come from nirvana i think the closest band to that level of mastery is probably brand new which you know sorry for people listening who don't like to hear that but just from a musical standpoint just mastering a genre you know i think that's where that's why kurt Cobain's death caused them to become what the brand of nirvana is today like they still had to have that level of like credibility like that level of cloud if you will you know like if they were just okay, they wouldn't have skyrocketed if they were just he. They were just okay. It was because he was so great, you know. Yeah, he was like the the perfect uh, scratch for the itch that was needed to be scratched. Yeah, Courtney Love's itch needed to be scratched. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Kind of like watched- Stephen King versus Mother Goose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like, Mother Goose. Fuck, I lost the audio real quick. Hold on. Word. I feel like... Dave, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, what was... It was just that shit was making noise. It sounded like no, you're eating was... chips. No, I was mute. I muted it. 
just because I got two, I got a puppy and a dogs and wife running onions. around. So yeah, I just I pause it every or mute it every time I come off. When you got a baby coming for us, dude? Oh, that that's the day you got to find a new drummer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if if I if I it'll be so hard to have a happy medium between having a child. I mean, I still want to jam, and obviously I would, but once you get to that stage of life, I mean, if we were you know, you watch that, that drives a lot of bands. Like you can almost see bands ending sometimes when someone has a kid, you're just like, Oh man. Yeah. Unless you you have the greatest like wife of all time. Who's like, yeah, keep doing your thing. Not so much like, like bands ending, but like just lineups changing. Like I, I, I think of a day to remember instantly. Um, like they were getting big after that, that second or third album that was, Purple and blue, um, and Tom, like the the drum or the guitar player with all the tattoos, quit because he wanted to focus on like recording and like starting a family. Um, and they remember just kept going after that and kept going strong, but like priorities. Yeah, they're pretty big now. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. I remember like in 2007 them being like this novel band, and it being like, oh wow, they they blend hardcore and pop punk so well and. Yeah, homesick. Dang, yeah. I I was all about it. I remember it came out like I mean, it was my freshman year of college, I think, and I was just like, "What is this shit? This is like Blink One Eighty Two meets fucking you know whatever screamo band you want to think of." <laughs> Blink One Eighty Two is another band that is, I would say, highly influential. Yeah, yeah. Well, their producer was because they played most of the guitar. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Really? <laughs> That's what I heard, band. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jerry Finn or someone like that. I can't remember. It was one of those big time producers, but like what from what I heard, you know, this just could be hearsay, but like would often come in and just Tom was taking way too long to get a part down and he's like, All right, I'm just gonna play it because you know. And <laughs> it's, wow. it's he, he was, he was like looking for aliens. Yeah, he's looking for UFOs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, I'm gonna go look outside for like some UFOs. What would you say, Blink One Eighty Two versus Green Day in terms of? Oh, like, uh, Green Day. I'd say Green Day. Yeah, probably Green Day. I would too. In terms yeah. of influence, yeah, Green Day. I guess. Well, I don't know. Like, when was when did Blink One Eighty Two come out with that Eminem song? Yeah, there's that. There's Dave eat chips again. <laughs> oh, was it? Sorry, I thought something was on fire in the house, so I like just shot up out of bed real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's in bed. That's awesome. Um, let me see. Yeah, so Blink One Eighty Two came out with a song called Eminem's in 1995, and that was like at the same time that Green Day was getting like big. Like Green Day was like peaking around that time, I think, or had having one of their first peaks at that time where it was. I think yeah, feeding when off did- of that. When did Dookie come out? Dookie was ninety four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dookie came out. Yeah, Dookie came out in nineteen ninety four. That was the band that I was like when I was learning guitar. That's like international super hits was like their you know their first greatest hits album. Yeah. That was like I learned all the guitar parts of that I'm whole thing. Sure like, and I listened to that a lot together. Yeah. My brother and bought that, it on CD. And that's so strange because that was in like 2001 and like thinking about like the trajectory of Green Day since 2001, they have like American Idiot is like three years past that. And like now there's like a musical for American Idiot and like that they had like right. a second life after this whole like punk influence in the beginning. Adrian, do you remember when we were watching Rat Race trying to win uh, that signed bass? From Green Day, off the yeah. Park Hunter. We were yeah. just like watching a movie at my house and just kept going to the computer and plugging in entries. Yeah, I, there was two movies for some reason that Vince and I watched way too much as a kid. One of them was Rat Race. <laughs> we just we had like a, just an obsession with it. Um, so anytime I, yeah, I think I watched a movie like nine times. I was like, it was like like a like a fun thing to do. Um, it's, and then when fun movie. And then the other movie was Like Mike that I brought in. That's a dope like, movie. Starring, starring uh, Bow Wow, Jonathan Lipnicki. Uh, now known as just Bow Wow. Oh, yes. Uh, grown, yeah. Or, 
<laughs> yeah. Dog. <laughs> Wolf. Dog. Bow. <laughs> All right. So, since you guys were talking about movies, I have one question. Yeah. Hold yes. on, Dave. But I was just going to say that uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what public edu- well, I don't know what private education was in, in the early 2000s, but um, Vince's parents and my parents spent good money to let us just watch like Mike hours a day at, 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 a, at a Catholic school. That's all I wanted to say. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what's the question, Dave? The question is, what movie that you could catch at any point on TV, would you watch it like no matter what, what point it was on? Oh. You say speed? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that was, I feel like when I was a kid, like that's all that was on TV. For yeah. me, it would be Anchorman, like Anchorman Step Brothers, or like Roadhouse. If I see Roadhouse on Roadhouse. that movie, that movie is fucking hilarious. Um, it's not supposed to be, I don't think, but it it is just <laughs> fucking hilarious. Shawshank too. Adrian said, I think that's. I just watched that the other day. I showed it to Abby for the first time. She was like, "Okay, it's good." I'm like, yes. My, my, my tastes are your tastes. Shutter <laughs> Island, man. I can watch Shutter yeah. Island every single time. So what do you think? Like, I think that he's actually crazy the whole time. Like, I think he was actually a patient there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. No, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. There's there's one scene that, like, proves it where um, he's looking at a patient and the patient's, like, drinking a glass of water. But if you look at the, the patient's hand, there's actually no, there's no glass of water in her hand, which is supposed to characterize that he's, like, seeing Delusional. Sh- yeah. Or, like, I think like, what did it- like reality is what actually, what it actually is. I think what did it for me, what made me realize it is when the the girl who's supposed to be missing comes back and her she has no marks at all on her feet. So that tells you that they just staged it. Like she wasn't actually missing. She was just they just staged it in order to oh, like yeah, yeah. play into that delusion. You know what I mean? I think the point that really proved it for me is um like twenty five minutes in where Leonardo DiCaprio looks into the camera and goes I'm a patient in this movie. Um, <laughs> I think that was like the moment that I, I knew that he was a patient. <laughs> I'm a patient. <laughs> I'm patient in this movie. <laughs> I forget that that's a Scorsese movie too because it's like not a gangster movie. It's a great fucking movie. Great fucking oh, yeah. movie. It really is. Well, I think probably wrap it up. It's getting to be like 10. I gotta feed my cats. I gotta call the old Ball and chain. So about this, Ooh. you asked fucking one question. What's that? Well, you asked like one question for this entire podcast, which is kind of cool. It's just like a good. Yeah, I I figured like the whole po- what I would hope to accomplish with an episode with the <clears throat> band I'm actually in is less about like me interviewing them and more just like showing people like our interactions. You know, maybe people will be drawn to like our personalities. Because if, if I were to try and interview you guys, it'd be fucking, I'd feel like a jackass, you know? I don't think we can ask questions, honestly. Or like, like objectively. I think it'd be just take too long. Well, I also preferred the conversations. Like, even when I don't know a band, if they start asking me questions, I'm like, fucking thank God. I really don't like being an interviewer. I don't want to be that, you know? I like just chatting. Just have a discussion, yeah. Chatting with the boys. <laughs> but anyway, I got a new face wash today, so yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I got a, I got a skincare free trial the other day. That's hot. Pretty I'll nice. stop in the recording.